Hey guys, this is AC, and you're listening to Brown Men Won't Jump. Howdy how, y'all. Us we here. Welcome to another episode of Brown Men Won't Jump. Joining me today is none other than Eric. Yes, sir. So, Eric, the past couple weeks, we've had a pretty lively debate in our group chat trying to determine who is the best player in the league right now. Now is the perfect time to bring the debate forward. And let's discuss on our podcast who we think has earned the title of best player in the league. So for starters, I just got to ask, who is the best player in the league for you? For me, for the first time in like a decade, I think we have a tabula rasa of sorts, a blank slate. A what? I think- whoa, 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 whoa. I, dude, I, honestly, I need like a dictionary when I talk to you sometimes. <laughs> I, I, I kid you not, when you text me and you use all these big words, I put it right into the dictionary because I'm like, what? What? So tabula rasa is Latin for blank slate. It, I was, was going to ask, is- what language is that even? Yeah, yes. It's Latin for blank slate. And okay. it, it just means like, basically, the board is empty. So right now, I think particularly you can make a good argument for three players. I think you can make a great argument for two players. I'm not sure who I really have as the best player. I do know the three players that I'm considering for the upcoming season is the guy sitting at the top of the NBA throne right now. And as far as just coming off of an NBA finals win and Giannis, Kevin Durant, who had a phenomenal second round against Giannis, but ultimately lost or LeBron James, a person who arguably up until he was injured was either the MVP front runner or like neck and neck and who won the NBA Finals less than a year before Giannis. So, I'm not sure right now. What about you, bro? Well, I have to agree with your top three candidates for best player in Giannis, Kevin Durant, and LeBron James. Now, I'm hesitant to definitively say it's one or the other. I don't want to end up being like Max Kellerman or basically anybody in sports media the year after Kawhi won the championship with the Raptors automatically saying, well, that guy had the best playoffs. So by default, he's the best player in the world because quite honestly, Kawhi Leonard is probably the worst best player <laughs> that the media has crowd collectively. Hmm, That's actually an argument. Now, I think the debate would be in 2019 when he won in Toronto, he was such a two-way force that I can see why people lost themselves. We're usually prisoners of the moment. So I suspect we will be eating our words many times in the future about who's the best. And, And media does that all the time. So it's par for the course. Yeah, so that's why I'm a little hesitant to definitively say it's Giannis that's the best player right now, right? Because what we saw from Giannis in the finals, and really the playoffs as a whole, but the finals in particular, was Giannis come to life as a truly dominant force in the league. And that's something we really haven't seen before. Now, 
yes, in the regular season, he's always been this dominant force. And that's why he won two league MVPs back to back and a defensive player of the year in his second MVP year, right? So it's not like this is some scrub. The problem with Giannis in the past has been that there have been teams that have been able to scheme against him very effectively in the Raptors in 2019 and the Heat in 2020. So along those lines, my question to you is, was, and this is not to take anything away from Giannis's performance, but was his dominant performance in the playoffs a result of a lot of bigger teams being injured? Or is this the Giannis we can expect moving forward? Meaning, like, the Bucs didn't face the Sixers, a very tall team, right? They didn't face the Lakers, another huge team. They didn't face the Nuggets. They faced the Suns in the finals. And other than that, they faced the Hawks and the Nets. Not exactly teams with size either. So I want to be fair to Giannis because I'm about to give two answers and I think they might end up coming off contradictory, but I'm going to shoot anyway. On one hand, you can only perform against who you face and he performed like an apex predator. The dude was like legitimately like elite, elite. This is a guy who averaged the 35, 13, and 5 in the finals. He averaged over 30 points per game for the whole playoffs. He was phenomenal. That being said, I do think some of this performance in real time, I was thinking that it was marred, not the performance itself, but how I look at it as far as historical performances because of some of the teams that he faced. I mean, I don't think in a healthy West, the Suns get past the second round. I don't think the Atlanta Hawks in a healthy East are in the conference finals. So I I do think in the, the context of the performance is worth looking at, but it is not a demerit the performance he had against the team's sat forth in front of him, particularly the performance he had to me in the second round when we were pointing out so many flaws in his game in the last two games against the New Jersey Nets that were dealing well, with significant injuries. Hey, buddy, unfortunately, New Jersey no longer has a basketball team. Ah, Brooklyn Nets. Sorry, sorry. Yes. Verbal typo. <laughs> You're hey, absolutely... You- You are absolutely correct. (laughs) You know what? I'm glad somebody mentioned New Jersey, you know, because, you know, those 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 Nets teams, they weren't the best, but somehow got to the finals. And it's a big part of my childhood. So shout out to the New Jersey Nets. Yes, you got to the finals two straight years to lose. And congratulations for that. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was not me actually congratulating you. I was being really sarcastic. <laughs> but <laughs> moving, on, moving on from that. I'll take it anyway. Hey, got to take what you can get. Beggars can't be choosers. Yep. But um, the, the thing is, Giannis was phenomenal at big moments. Even against the Suns, where he was down 0-2. He didn't seem to break a sweat. He played his game and... Remember, Giannis was coming off of an injury that he, like, obtained against the Atlanta Hawks in the latter games of that series. So he was on, like, a gimpy leg initially against the Suns and played great hurt. And then as he started the heel, he played, like, prime Shaq mixed with LeBron James. So 
Yes, the competition left something to be desired, but he was phenomenal, and I think he acquitted himself of the things that we had previously criticized him for. Because remember, he played poorly against a Miami Heat team just the year before where they were prohibitive favorites to win that series. I think a common thread between all these guys that we finally saw in Giannis is the ability to elevate their games when it really counted most. So you mentioned that Giannis averaged 35 points per game in the finals, right? Well, in the playoffs as a whole, he averaged 30 points per game. His rebounding went up. Assists, he went up a little bit. Steals, blocks, he increased in the finals. His field goal percentage went from 56.9 to 61.8%. Free throw from 58.7 to 65.9%. And let's not forget how he barely missed a single free throw in the closeout game of the finals. True shooting percentage, he went from 60% to 65.8% in the finals. Effective field goal percentage, 58.4 to 63%. So I guess to answer my own question from before, I don't think this is just an anomaly. I don't think it's just a consequence of the teams that he played. I think he has proven that he is a legit superstar and belongs in this conversation. I'm just curious to see how much of an impact a larger team will have against this fully realized Giannis. Respect. So yours is like styles make fights, like they say in boxing. And Giannis was great, but you're curious to see him move up in like weight class just to take the analogy further. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, he was boxing against a guy who's like two or three or Guys that are like four weight classes lower than him in the Hawks, whose premier player is Trey Young. But seeing Giannis and the full scope of his arsenal, man, that guy is tough, tough, tough. And he gave me a lot of young LeBron there in this playoffs where he was just doing so many things. If not deadly from the perimeter, he's definitely deadly from 10 feet in. And the dude plays such a great defense as well particularly team defense. Of course, we know what was being talked about on sports media for days. The help side block on DeAndre Ayton, which was just... Oh my God. Incredible, right? <laughs> like, he recovered. It was crazy. <laughs> somehow got back to his man and was able to block... This is a seven-footer that he blocked. Like, this wasn't Chris Paul that he blocked. He blocked a seven-footer. Like, Giannis, there are things that... Kevin can do that he can't do, but there are definitely things that Giannis can do that Kevin can't do as well. So to me, like they have drastically different styles, but it's like flipping a coin right now and choosing your fighter. For sure. And you mentioned that block on DeAndre Ayton. After that block, Ayton seemed afraid. He was legitimately afraid to even go at Giannis after that. You could tell the kid was just shell-shocked after that. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Like, he put the fear of God in him. He wanted, he wanted nothing to do with him. Nothing. And I, I feel like those type of plays, we see and we can make a tangible argument for a dagger jump shot, right? Like, we know, like, okay, this person either tied the game or they 
put their team in the lead which with a killer jump shot at the end of the game. But those type of defensive plays where you're manhandling the opponent and you're psychologically affecting them to the to the point that they're no longer confident to take certain shots, I mean, that means something. And it had, to me, a demonstrable effect on the rest of that series. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to many more minutes. Giannis as the big destroying the league. Dude, I can't wait. I, I'm excited to see if he'll prove to be the best player. Yeah, no doubt. I I am too. I, I actually think this upcoming year he has a great chance of solidifying that. But the other guy that I mentioned was Kevin Durant. Now, Kevin Durant actually traded blows with Giannis in this past playoffs. And at times, he looked as if he was the world beater of world beaters. What do you think about Kevin Durant's upcoming placement in this year's packing order? I mean, I've said it before, for Kevin Durant to do what he did in these playoffs, to come off an Achilles injury and to play every second of a playoff game and drop 49, I mean, come on. If not for his freakishly large feet, that final game could have gone the way of the Nets. And we might not have been even talking about Giannis in this conversation, right? So to say the very least, yeah, he he traded blows with Giannis. But I mean, he was carrying his team on his back like I've never seen him do before. And I, I guess his Golden State Warriors years, at least for me, made me forget just how much this guy can carry a team. Because yeah, I've never doubted his actual talent, right? But like to be able to carry a team that was so injured. I mean, James Harden was injured, but he also just was a non-factor. Kyrie, a ref, basically took out. And so then you have KD with a bunch of role players and the world's most porous defense somehow not only locking down, being the legitimate defensive anchor of his team, but then being a complete terror on the offensive end. And that's something that, can Giannis take over a game the way that Kevin Durant did? I'm not sure because at the end of the day, Kevin Durant can create from absolutely anywhere, whereas Giannis is still very much a low post type of player. I mean, obviously he can slash. If you think about NBA history, the best players, the best closers are often wings because they don't need the ball down low. It's it's so much harder to guard against them. You can't collapse a pain against them because if you collapse the pain on them, well, Kevin Durant can pass exceptionally well now, and who knows? He might not even need to pass. He'll just score on you some other way. And see, I think that's the rub or, like, conflicting arguments about Kevin Durant's versus Giannis' placement. And I, I think it has to do more on how you perceive a player to control games based on stylistic preferences. So I do think that Kevin Durant... He can control a game from the perimeter because he's such a deadly shooter. That's something Giannis will never be. But if you're just saying a person who controls the game, he can score or rebound, he plays great D, then it's like, well, Giannis has a definite case. Like we saw Giannis in a closeout finals game score 50 damn points. I've never seen that done. A closeout finals 50-point game. So when you take into account 
Both of these guys have a very, very wide range of skill sets, and they have a multifaceted way of affecting the game, if not differently. It, it becomes difficult. I do think you're right in the traditional mode of a, a guy I just want to create on the perimeter. I want to take tough shots at the end of the game. I would probably rather have Kevin doing it. No, that's not probably. I would definitely rather have Kevin doing it. Eric, quick question for you. How much do you put in recent Olympic performance in your determination of best player? Because Kevin Durant was the reason that U.S. took home the gold medal in Tokyo. This team, in the weeks leading up to the gold medal match, it was the most turbulent I've seen a Team USA since 2004. I mean, legitimately, there were questions about whether these guys could get the job done and whether or not we might be going back to a 2004 bronze finish. But no, Kevin Durant said no. He took over whenever the team needed him. And in the gold medal match, he was the difference. So I guess the question for you is, how much does that matter in your consideration here? So I'm not even going to fake. I'm an American exceptionalist when it comes to basketball. And I generally don't count Olympic performances as any indicator of who's the best in the world. Because I think the competition in the NBA still pound for pound is higher than the rest of the world. So while Kevin's performance was absolutely phenomenal, I think a couple of factors have to be considered. One of the factors is that it seemed to me that USA didn't have all of their best players. Like there wasn't Kawhi, there wasn't Steph, there wasn't LeBron. There was no James Harden. So the guys that he was playing with, I don't think they were the caliber of players that Kevin is. So I always assumed that some pecking order would crystallize and it would work itself out where Kevin was their go-to scorer and showing himself to be the best player on the court. That always made sense to me. So being the best player on this team... I I don't know what it means. I, I don't even think it means as much as, and I never exactly brought this argument that I'm going to use, but in 2008, when people pointed out Kobe Bryant being the closer for the team, or in 2012, when they were saying it was LeBron's team, I never used those arguments to point out their placement in the NBA hierarchy. But I think those are more indicative of that than this, because those teams seemingly had more marquee guys than this team. There would have been no Jeremy Grant on the 2012 team or the 2008 team. There would have honestly never been a Kevin Love who ended up not actually playing in the Olympics, but Kevin Love wouldn't have been on those two teams. So I I, I don't know other than saying, yes, he was the best person in the Olympics, but I don't know if it proves his placement in my top three packing order with two other guys, Giannis and LeBron, who didn't play in the Olympics. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I, I, I don't think that Olympics should have too much of a say here. I just kind of want to bring it up as a you know, devil's advocate. <laughs> yeah, facts. And I, I think if you add the Olympics and you think about what Kevin was doing in the playoffs, shorthanded. Again, the dude is, he's that guy. 
And you can easily make an argument for him being the best player in the world. So I, I'm not even saying that it's out of the realm of imagination that he is. I'm just saying I don't know if this is necessarily the strongest indicator of such. For sure. So you mentioned that Giannis and Kevin Durant really represent two different styles of playing, right? You you even said that Giannis kind of has certain aspects of a young LeBron. Well, LeBron to me really feels like a combination of both guys. LeBron is physically imposing. If he wants to get to the rim, there is no freaking person that's going to stop him. I mean, he he's just, he's too strong. He's too talented. He knows how to maneuver through traffic to get to the hole. So he has that aspect of his game. But in addition, he has a great post game overall. And as our friend Musk likes to say, you know, he's logo LeBron. His three-point shooting has improved a lot. And, I mean, he can create from outside. His mid-range game is deadly. The LeBron driving kick is one of the most deadly plays in NBA history. And then let's not forget that the LeBron-Anthony Davis pick-and-roll is, I believe, the most deadly play in basketball right now. You made a point that I had always thought about, but I think I thought about it wrong. And you made me, for the first time, think about it correctly. You're welcome. That is an Oswe drama special. Clarity is my thing. Clairvoyance is my thing. Thank you so much for elucidating this long thought of point, Oswe. (laughs) But I had always thought that if Kevin Durant and LeBron James were fused into like a singular basketball player, it would be some facsimile of Giannis. But Giannis has never quite gained the jump shot for me to think that like both of those guys have better jumpers than Giannis and I I don't think Giannis is ever going to get to their level of jump shooting definitely not Durant who's a historically great shooter and not even LeBron where LeBron is good to very good right but now because of how you analogized it I think that LeBron actually is some type of facsimile of if you were to fuse Kevin Durant and Giannis into one player with better passing than both. So I was just thinking about that as you as you said that earlier. So I understand that some people, like the Max Kellermans of the world, if they don't see LeBron go all the way to the finals, somehow that means that he's no longer the best player in the world. And while I'm not saying definitively that LeBron is, Let's be honest here. LeBron James this season was arguably the MVP frontrunner until a grown man dives into his ankle, an injury that would otherwise snap a normal human being's ankle in half. Yet somehow LeBron was able to recover and play on it. Now, less than a year ago, he was crowned finals MVP. And in the playoffs last year, he averaged 27 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, and almost nine assists per game. I mean, if you want to talk about players who elevate in big moments, all those numbers I just told you increased. His efficiency increased significantly. I mean, he was shooting at a true shooting percentage of 67.1% and an effective field goal percentage of 65.7 in the final. I mean, this is a guy who dropped 25 twice, 28 twice, 33, and 40 in the finals. And that was less than a calendar year ago. That was last October. 
So, I don't know, man. I feel like LeBron has more in the tank, and especially because now he has Westbrook playing with him, so he can rest more in the regular season, and so, I mean, that's where I'm at. I think people are sleeping on LeBron. I know you're a big LeBron fan. How do you feel? Well, first off, shout out to Bron Bron for having such a high standard that people think he fell off because (laughs) he missed (laughs) the NBA Finals. (laughs) Right? While playing in the playoffs. And people just aren't used to that because for basically a decade, if he gets into the playoffs, he's going to the NBA Finals. So that's just an absurdly high standard for any player to have. So that man deserves a clap. Outside of our judgment and perception on LeBron being clouded by this like injury he had and that he was clearly still suffering from in the first round because he didn't seem as spry before the injury, like you said, and we we have spoken about many times this year, he was either the front runner or like in some virtual tie for MVP placement. It seems to me that this guy who was knocked out in the first round for the first time in his career and before the finals, the first time since 2009 when he's made it to the playoffs. You know, a lot of people were saying LeBron looks old. LeBron looks, I don't want to say washed up, but at the same time, he had a grown man dive into his ankle. Coming back from that and still playing in the playoffs, somehow that was read as, oh, well, he's old now. He can't He move like he used to. It seems this guy will go into this upcoming season. And I understand the caveat that he's older than the other two guys. And he's in like rare air as a guy turning 37 this upcoming season, still expecting to be a dominant player. If we get a rested LeBron who's not coming back to play in the regular season literally less than two months after lifting the championship... I can conceivably see a situation where LeBron is being looked at at the end of the year as the best player in the league. It's actually a blessing in disguise that they got kicked out as early as they did because that just gives him that much longer of an offseason to rest because the season starting up just after the one-year anniversary of his finals win. So I think he's enjoying this time off where he can rest and 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 get his ankle right um yeah i'm gonna knock on wood and i hope your prognostication is correct i i hope we don't see an injury like we saw last year i do know there are only two people in this league that the injury that lebron suffered wouldn't have been some major injury like some type of tear and the other guy plays in milwaukee yeah for sure (laughs) I think those are the only guys that that happens. And I'm like, okay, I don't think they're going to be like irreparably harmed. They'll be all right. They'll be all right at some (laughs) point. I'll I'll see them in the next couple of weeks. Everyone else, like if this was Durant, that injury, I'd have been like, shit. If I'm a Nets fan. Hey, hey, man. Durant came back from Achilles injury. The worst injury for an He did come back from it. I'm just saying it would have been a bad injury. I'm not saying that he wouldn't have at some point come back and been great because I think Kevin Durant's game is game that ages like fine wine. Like when you can shoot like him, you always going to be a threat. 
But yeah, I, I definitely can see the scenario where LeBron is beasting this year. So I'm not counting him out. I think right now, the other two guys, because of their playoff resume, I think I would slightly err to it being one of them. But when I say it's slight, it's slight. Like he's like nipping on their heels in my mind still. But we'll see, man. I, I think for the first time in a long time, it, it's really up in the air. And I'm I'm really excited to see who's at the top at the end of the upcoming season. Yeah, man, for sure. I, I think these three guys are in a class of their own. And it'll be really interesting to see who ends up on top. That being said, I do want to make two honorable mentions. And we don't need to spend too much time on them, but I do want to give a shout out to Luka Doncic and Steph Curry as guys who probably round out my top five at the very least. I'm not including Kawhi in this because the assumption is he'll be out for most of, if not the entire next season with his ACL injury. Now, a clear difference needs to be made for these top three guys that I mentioned and Luca and Steph in that all three guys in the top are not only elite offensively, they're also elite defensively. And I think in a sport, you know, Aaron Rodgers. I, 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 hold on, hold on, Oswee. I think you putting too much dip on your chip. Look, Kevin Durant was very good in the playoffs defensively. But are we really calling Kevin Durant an elite defensive player? I think over the last five, six years or so of his career, I think that's a fair assessment. I've seen him be a defensive anchor for his teams. I've seen him, you know, he's stronger than he looks. But, I mean, he's not a guy that is going to get beat too often. He's he's smart. He, he's fast. He's long. He's great as a team defense. Maybe not a one-on-one elite player, but certainly off the ball, he's, I, I would say he's elite. He, he, he anchored this Nets defense single-handedly. I mean, who else on that Nets lineup was playing defense even close to the level? that he was playing you're correct he was anchoring a historically bad defense fine sure you could say that right but he was an anchor nonetheless like he's not like a defender the way Kawhi is right so so if if you want to make it like that and I and I guess to that extent he's not like the Giannis or, or or LeBron level but he's pretty damn good he's certainly better than Luka or Steph or just about anyone else you could put in a top five right so oh by the way he's definitely better defensively than those next two guys right right I I I wasn't going that far (laughs) yeah yeah the point I wanted to make yes he he is no LeBron he is no Giannis right those guys are truly in their own class but I would like to think that Kevin Durant is certainly up there and 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 that that's why I I put him in this category above like the Lukas and the Stephs in any case Luka Doncic I wanted to give him a shout out because yes we mentioned that Olympics doesn't matter but he did ball out in the Olympics so shout out to him for that but also in these playoffs the dude was averaging 35.7 points per game 7.9 rebounds per game and 10.3 assists per game he had a true shooting percentage of 57.2 an effective field goal percentage of 56.9 for the second year in a row. 
he single-handedly almost eliminated the Clippers in the first round. And it almost seems like this guy just doesn't know when to stop. Now, the big knock on him, just like with LeBron, is his free throw percentage. And at a 40.8% three-point clip, he is good. He's not as great as people think. He's capable of rising to the occasion like the other guys and making a big shot when it counts. So for that, I wanted to just give him a quick shout out. Yeah, I I agree with you. I want to see Luca with a better team at some point. I I can't help but feel he's following the trajectory of young LeBron in his first seven seasons in Cleveland. So I'm a little worried he just re-upped. So he's going to be there for some more years. I'm a little worried about him toiling in Dallas and not actually being able to get legitimate help. But we'll see. And as for Steph... I mean, the guy was the scoring champion of this past season. He led the league with 32 points per game on 42.1% from three with 65.5% true shooting percentage and 60.5% effective field goal percentage. So we've discussed many times about Steph's shortcomings as an on-ball defender, but as a team defender, he's not bad. He does get a lot of steals. And quite honestly, I mean, this was the best season I've seen of him personally because he had no clay to carry him, right? He was the one carrying his team. So, I mean, he was also in the conversation for league MVP, as was Luca. And for that, I think they definitely deserve to be honorable mentions in our list here today. It's wild to think that Stuff, who has two MVPs, one of which his second was unanimously voted on, is wild to think that this season was probably his best year. Like, he was amazing. Like, well, just amazing, amazing. Not not to uh, draw the ire of any Warriors and Steph fans out there, but I definitely did not think that Steph deserved his first MVP because I thought in 2015 that year, Harden deserved it more. And certainly in those playoffs, Harden definitely played better overall. And Steph was kind of like a non-factor. Obviously, the gravity that he has is nothing to sneeze at. But, I mean, they literally could not figure out who to give the finals MVP to, so they gave it to Iguodala for his defense, even though the guy he was defending, LeBron James, balled out, you know? So, I mean, take what you want from that MVP season from Steph Curry. And then the second year, yeah, they were the best regular season team ever, but... When the playoffs came around, you saw that when the going got tough, it was Clay who really carried them. And then once Clay kept them in the game and the fourth quarter came around, then Steph would start shooting lights out. So I haven't seen Steph really step up when the going got tough until this year and then also in the 2019 final. Um, so what you're saying is Steph don't deserve his MVPs. Hot take. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hell of a take. I definitely think he deserves the second one. I, I would he agree de- with you. He deserves the, the second one. The first one was kind of iffy. Let me clarify. The second one, he deserves because he was the best player on clearly the best team that year, right? But it definitely came into question whenever the going got tough in those playoffs. Hot take number two. Yeah. You're saying so, Clay Thompson is truthfully their best player. I, I, I don't know if I'd say that. I, I don't know if I'd go that far because we're not talking about Clay Thompson <laughs> right now, right? N- nice try there. <laughs> 
All right, Eric. Well, I think that's a good place to stop for today. I mean, you really can't go wrong picking LeBron or Giannis or Kevin Durant as the best player in the world right now. And I'm sure there are plenty of barbershops around the country. And I mean, I guess I would assume around the world where this debate is very vibrant. So guys, thank you all for joining us. And we want to hear what you think. In your opinion, who is the best player in the NBA right now? You can get in touch with us either on our social media at brownmenwontjump or via email at brownmenwontjump at gmail.com. We hope you enjoyed this one and we'll catch you in the next one. Take care, guys. Deuces!